Well, well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, nice, isn't it? Welcome to the Newtown Theatre. Please welcome a man who is currently regretting having sex before marriage. It's Richard Herring! <laughs> Started. Welcome uh, to Richard Herring's Losing Sense of Time podcast. Uh, we're about a week into the fringe. I've no idea what day it is. Uh, I looked at my watch this morning uh, and it was 7.30 and I thought, that's impossible. I've already been up for infinity hours. Don't come to Edinburgh with two little children. Although uh, I was hanging out with all the middle-aged men who've come to Edinburgh to do chat shows because it's easier than writing stand-up shows. <laughs> And we all call it Rallastabus, so that is kind of Rallastabus. Yeah, I was on my walk down, didn't think I had any material for you today, but on my walk down I saw uh, someone advertising, uh, uh, I guess the show, a man with a, you might have seen a man with a sandwich board uh, that said, sex before marriage equals hell after death. The illusion is brief, the remorse is long. I mean, I'm not going to see that show, oh, that's, that's... <laughs> it's terrible, he's an old, old guy, but you know, sex before marriage. I mean, sex after marriage, getting married is hell after getting married. That's what, that would be my discussion. I'm not, I, I nearly asked him if he'd had sex before he got married, what he knows about it, but he didn't. I, I decided not to. Uh, and uh, my chairs have been on the news. Don't know if you saw them. On the front page of, I think, The Telegraph this morning. I think that one, John McDonnell was sitting in there yesterday. For, there's another chat show one just before this. It's not as good as this one. Um, and uh, he was talking about uh, the, whether Scotland was going to be allowed to be independent by the Labour Party, as if they'll have any say in it. Uh, and um, he was sitting in that chair right there. And I didn't really say, yesterday, when I came in yesterday, he was, him and his little gang of people were in the dressing room all, and they were all whispering to each other. Really, genuinely, they were working out the policy, what they were going to say to the press afterwards. But it was like, if I wanted, if I'd been interested, I could have listened in and told you what it was. But I was busy writing emergency questions for the dicks coming on here, so I didn't do it. But uh, there we go. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's about it. I'm, God, I'm just looking after the kids, and you're not going to get much out of me. It's, the weather was good yesterday, wasn't it? <laughs> the way I have thunder and lightning. Whatever I did in yesterday's show, God did not approve of that. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> there was no thunder and lightning when I was having sex before marriage. <laughs> um, all right, look, my first guest today. Uh, is probably best known for her appearance on the roast of Helgi Steiner. And I tell you, it's about time someone took him or her down, whoever that is. <laughs> They've been asking for it. Uh, she's from Iceland, and I'm going to have a crack. Uh, she hasn't told me how to pronounce her name, and I'm going to have a crack at it. Her name is Schnollog. Ludwig's daughter. Well, then let's slow from Iceland, ladies and gentlemen. Oh. How did I do? How did I do on the old? No, uh, that was that was not great, Richard. I have to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> my name is really easy. It's Snowlulovic's daughter. You can pronounce that, right? Yeah. Snowlik. Yeah. You can call me Snow. Snow. I will Make call you Snow. Makes me sound like a dickhead, though, but yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Snow from Iceland, which Snow, I think we have some... She sells herbal medicine from her garage. She, she's <laughs> great, yeah, So, I'd, I've never had an Icelandic comedian. I didn't know there was comedy in Iceland. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. Well, now that I'm here, there is none. Nobody's laughing <laughs> <That's> over there. <laughs> um, I've been to Iceland. You as have? we were briefly discussing backstage, yeah. I did a mm -hmm. show in 2002-ish called Talking Cock. And yep. Iceland is the home of the penis. That's where the penis was invented. <laughs> there is a, there's a museum, which you're aware of, called the Penis Museum. Penis Museum, the yeah. The Phallological Museum. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, which you I, went to it? I came to Iceland just to go to the okay. Penis Museum. I didn't go and see any of the geezers or any of the other stuff. You know we have, like, amazing nature, but you just yep, saw nope, the cups. Yeah, just penises. Yep, okay. uh, whales, mm -hmm. penises. Mm -hmm. well, uh, there was no man penis there no. now, but there is now. I there believe. is no, yeah. A man yeah. donated his penis to the Penis Museum. Yeah. He must be really proud of it. Well, he's, I mean, <laughs> uh, hopefully he's dead. I'm, ho I'm, hoping, I'm hoping he's dead. I was talking yesterday about how, you know, I do, I do, that, I don't mind dying. What I uh, don't like is the idea my penis will not survive beyond my death. So no, I yeah, might yeah. send mine in a jiffy bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, That's uh, a good idea. Sigurd Jarrettson. Mm -hmm. How do I do with that one? Huh? 
Sigurd Jaretsen, that's the man who uh, runs the Icelandic Penis Museum. That was awful. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really, I'm, not, I'm, I'm more of a, a Scotch speaker, really, than, uh, <laughs> than, uh, than an Icelandic <laughs> <laughs> one. Uh, so uh, your show is yeah. uh, called Let It Snow. Let It Snow, yeah. And it's uh, clever, right? It's yeah. a play on my name, <laughs> I know. So tell us about uh, what the show is about. Uh, it's about uh, me. I'm a, I'm a really interesting person. Um, That's true of pretty much every show in Edinburgh. I mean, not about you. It'd be amazing if all the shows were about you. Yeah, but yeah, that would be great. But they're all about the person doing the show. So that you're saying I'm basic? <laughs> no, I think it's a common... It's not mm. unusual for comedians to talk about themselves. Okay, okay, yeah. Uh, uh, it's about me growing up in Iceland, and, and I also grew up in France. Yeah. Uh, grew up in Paris, uh, because I'm better than all of you. Um, <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> And then it's just about me being uh, single and, and being uh, kind of an asshole sometimes. Okay. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it is like all the other comedian shows. It's, yeah, super basic. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly like that. It's good to see. Oh, I should say, what was the... Tell me about the roast of Helgi Steiner. Is it a, it's a man, right? Helgi? <laughs> Helgi is a yeah. male man, yes. Yeah. Um, and he's a friend of mine that I roasted in Reykjavik. Okay. How the fuck did you find that? I find out about yes. everyone. It was well. very hard to find out anything about you that I could understand <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> and that was at least in, the title was okay, in English. Okay, because so it was in English, yeah. 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 Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, is he, a, is he another comedian? He's another comedian, okay. yes. So there's yeah. two, two, two. There are two, yeah, there are two. No, there's, there are two other Icelandic comedians here as well. Wow. Um, so it's, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's terrific that this, you know, it is a wonderful thing about Edinburgh, this international yeah, yeah. flavour. We've got uh, yeah. an Australian, a rig- Aboriginal Australian mm-hmm. like, coming on on uh, Saturday. And mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's amazing that all the world's comedy comes together in this. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah. yeah. And you've been to Edinburgh briefly before, but not for the full run before. No, I only did, did like two weeks last year. It's, this is my full, full proper yeah. run. Yeah. And whereabouts are you on? Let's get that out of the way. Uh, how am I doing? Well, no, which venue are you on? Oh, yeah, um, and, and how are you doing? I'm doing great. Okay, I'm cool. Doing great. Uh, I'm at the old toll booth. Uh, okay. It's the new Gilded Balloon uh, venue okay. at 8:30 p.m. And it's pay what you want. Yeah. But you can buy a ticket beforehand you if you want to. You can buy tickets you on get. the internet. Yeah. Yes. What do people when people pay what they want? Mm-hmm. Do they pay more than they would be paying if they were buying in advance, or do they just give you 20p? No, I've had some bills, some paper in okay. the bucket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. That's good. It's good to know that people do that. There are, there's, mm-hmm. the, there's a lot of things. The free fringes operates on that bucket policy yeah. as well, so people yeah, are, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. can't book ahead often for that. But it's nice that people do. You should be paying. You should be paying. You should be paying. Should be paying. Yes. Um, I quite like Iceland, from what I saw. Yeah. But why? If I was in charge of the world, mm-hmm. what I would do? Because the Icelandic people are already there's a, there's something about the Icelandic people that sets them apart from even the, the even the Northern Europeans. I think there's a little Scandinavian feel, feel mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. I would stop anyone being allowed to come in or out of Iceland. Really? Yeah, and leave it for about a hundred thousand years, okay. and see how Icelandic humanity evolved. That is, that is what, because I think they might become elves. They might become yeah, elves. I think you might become elves yeah. if, if you were left mm. without any mm-hmm. other outside DNA coming yeah. in. Do you know anything about the Icelandic elves? I don't really know much about no. them. No. They're just two things. Okay. Do you need to know? Okay. They're very small. Yeah. And they don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I want to do this uh, yeah. human eugenics uh-huh. program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be cruel in a way, and also not so bad in a way. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm presuming, uh, being from Iceland, you're quite popular in Scotland after the World Cup. Uh, when we beat England yeah. in football, yes. And so, uh, there was some amazing statistic about that, because there's not very many men of football playing age. No, in Iceland, so no. you had something like about one in we were 30 never chance of being in the team if you were of the right Yeah, age. yeah, we were never good at football. No. I don't know what happened. Our national sport was always handball. Okay. Do you know, it's a real sport. <laughs> it's, it's like volleyball for people with brain damage or something. But, we, um, but then all of a sudden we became great at football. Well, better than England. Better than England, <laughs> yes. Not great, but yeah, good. Yeah. It was, it was a thrilling, uh, thrilling rise through the ranks for Iceland. I did want yeah, Iceland to yeah, win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I even wanted to beat England, to mm-hmm. be honest. We needed a good, like, rap after the financial crisis and the volcanoes and all of yeah. the other shit that we've been doing. So <laughs> <laughs> it was good. You have been doing a lot of stuff. I to know, take. yeah. That's partly why I want you to be isolated. 
<laughs> well, it's that experiment. There's, an every, there's a lot of mammals in Iceland, though. That's why the guy was interested in... I'm mean, not going to harken about the penis museum no, all the time. No, no, no. But let's But there's a lot of different mammals cucks. up there, aren't there? Yeah. He was only mainly interested penis. in Icelandic mammals. Mm. Sigurda, okay. Mr. Jaret. I haven't been there because I'm not as obsessed with penises no. as you are, but um, I might. What I, was your favourite one? Um, my favorite, uh, there was a really big whale penis that was like, was uh, how, like, just like, like six, a human, six foot, seven foot tall. Uh, I don't understand those numbers. Could you uh, speak human? No. <laughs> no, about, I'm five foot, uh, six and a half. And I'm, I thought I was 170 centimeters, but I'm 168 hmm. centimeters. So it's another. So a whale's penis is a full Richard Herring. <laughs> no, it's, it's higher than me. It was bigger I, than me. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And I do have a question about that, which we may get onto. Uh, but uh, six foot is about um, uh, 200 centimeters. Yeah. Yeah. So whale vaginas must be massive. Yeah. That must be just. No, like they're a really small. It's just. <laughs> the male whales have a great time, and the female whales <laughs> not so happy. Um, yeah, you could probably stand inside a female. Probably, whale's vagina yeah. if you, if you want shirts. to do yeah I want to now I mean I would do the vagina museum if it was <laughs> up to me but <laughs> and then we could try that and then you could go into the hall of whale vaginas couldn't you <laughs> <laughs> it would it be made that you'd come out and go you know that hall is made out of a whale vagina that is the <laughs> what are we talking about uh, what are we talking yeah. about um uh uh, is the Cod War still a big thing in Iceland? <laughs> or, or is that... Or is that we cannot stop talking about yeah. it constantly on the news. I mean, <laughs> you know, remember I, that. I just want to say from our side, you know, uh -huh. I hope... You're sorry. I, hope it's all there. Well, I don't think we're sorry. I think we were right. But I, it's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's start up again. Would you, would you fancy starting? It was, it was quite a serious conflict. Let's mm -hmm. not take the... Mm -hmm. let's start. <laughs> <laughs> so all I found out about you on the internet is your parents divorced when you were 12. That's why you moved yes. from uh, Paris or France yep. back to Iceland. To Iceland, yeah. Okay, who, who got you in the divorce? Uh, my mother. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but I still see my dad. That's good. Once a year or something. No, no, that's not even funny. We are good friends. Okay. Um, <laughs> and uh, I moved to from Paris to Iceland and that was quite a shock Yeah. because the Icelandic school system is not like the French school system. It's very strict in Paris. Do we have any French people in? Unlikely. No? Great. Good. Okay. I can, t I can tell I you mean, whatever bullshit you know. Um, they're very strict. Yeah. If you misbehave, they bring out the guillotine and chop your head off and never, you know, uh, misbehave again. Icelandic schools are like zoos. Um, you know, so that was, the, but it was fun, but then yeah. I completely changed and became wild and crazy and started doing stand-up. I, I don't know where I would be if so I would still be So did you see, when you were living in France, did you, you presumably were speaking French, and did you see yourself as a French kid, and yeah. then you went back I was like a mademoiselle, I was yeah. dressed really, I would never be wearing a hole in my jeans okay. if I was, you know, still in France. Um, but yeah, I was, a, I was a proper human, and then I became just a wild animal. Yeah. Uh, Robin, it's his excellent book about uh, comedians, um, which is called uh, You're a Joke and So Am I, is from, from memory. Uh, Things that comedians had a trauma in their childhood, or a lot of comedians had a trauma in their childhood. That, mm -hmm. that, do, do you think that move and that your parents breaking up and having to move as well and that big yeah. change in your life, quite being a sensitive time, 12 being years Being the old. outsider is also probably something yeah. that yeah, works with humour, like make, is an inspiration, I think, yeah. probably. Yeah. You have to like really try to yeah. <laughs> win people over. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And so how many comedy clubs are there in Iceland? How, when you started doing comedy, is, there, is, there, is it like Reykjavik or is it, is it all There over? are two right. in Reykjavik okay. now. Uh, both of them are in English, okay. so you can go over there and you can understand the jokes, which is better. Um, and, but then there are also just, I, I also work as a, as a like professional stand-up. I do like corporate events and stuff. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So is it, is that, is it, was it an easy move into stand-up? It doesn't sound like there's a lot of uh, stand-up. I started in London. I was right. studying uh, screenwriting uh, in London. Nobody wanted to read my screenplays. It was like sending them to the moon. And so I started to um, just, yeah, do this, like get an instant reaction. Yeah. Uh, I felt good starting in London as well because I didn't, didn't know anyone there. Like there would be, in, if I start in Iceland, you have like three ex-boyfriends in the room and you know, all <laughs> of your family and stuff. So that felt good. Uh, and yeah, I haven't stopped since. That was six years ago, I think. Yeah. Six years. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Right, well, I'll ask you, I warned you about the emergency questions. I think yep. We'll see what comes up. See if the one about the six foot tall 
man penis comes up. <laughs> it might do, you never know. Um, uh, I've been asking this one a lot, this, this uh, festival, so I'll ask it. Uh, have you ever seen a ghost? It's your, your elf. Your no, they no, don't exist. They don't exist. No, so no, I thought, no, I thought you no, might be. no. Have you seen a ghost? I uh, know, because uh, I've got one in my house, but I haven't seen it. It's a, it's a, it's a dead baby. It's a dead baby? Well, I hope, I hope it's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, we've got a living baby in our house that keeps crying. Oh, shit, it might be my baby. I, we left it, and it's probably dead now. <laughs> How do you... <laughs> well, as ghosts go, a dead baby is probably the best version of a ghost. Yeah, it's they, not they, they, can't, they can't move around yeah. much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, they come for you. You can just mm. bat them off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> anyway, I don't know. No, I don't... I don't, uh, I don't, I don't believe in ghosts but I've, you know we hope when I think like when people are very tired yeah their, their minds play tricks with them and that's what yeah. happened to us yeah. we were very tired because we exactly. just had a baby and we could yeah. hear a baby crying mm -hmm. it wasn't our baby plus we live in a hospital an ex-hospital where loads of babies must have died <laughs> who knows who knows your home sounds creepy it is it's very creepy um <laughs> I've never said this is question 80 and you'd think by this stage I would have good questions so early in a book of a thousand. Have you ever stolen a golf buggy? <laughs> I don't think I've ever even seen a golf no, buggy. I don't think I have don't either. No. I've never been in one. I've never played golf. I've been on a buggy like when sometimes you're in an airport, you know, yeah. and uh, they allow old people to go. Why are you on that? Well, I was. I to was just jump on it? Just once I was allowed to go. And I, I went um, to Thailand and I think we had a business class ticket. Mm. Uh, and. Uh, I was, uh, yeah, and they did, when we got off the plane, they took us uh, on wow. a little buggy. It was okay. really good. Yeah. Me and some old people. And <laughs> <laughs> might just have looked at me thought, oh, he needs a bit of He's had a long flight. Um, let's see, what else? What's the next? What is the most stupid thing you've done for love? These are great questions. Where did these come from? Most stupid things I've done for love. I mean, I've done oh a lot of stupid things God. for love. I'm trying to think for, my, for myself for this one. I remember once I was um, I was quite infatuated with someone. I was sort of having an on-off thing, and it was secret though, you know. Like so, no, mm. I was mm. working with them, so I wasn't allowed to tell anyone what was going on. But then, yeah. when she wanted to hook up, she I was allowed to go around, mm -hmm. but, I, but I wasn't allowed to tell anyone it was happening. <laughs> happened to me quite a lot, that actually. Uh, and uh, <laughs> people wanted to have sex with me, but they were ashamed of it. Tell no one about it. Uh, and I remember kind of buying some flowers and a, a bottle of wine from like a you know, a news agent. So they weren't, they were basically they were shitty flowers. partially dead flowers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I saw, I was, she wasn't in and I sat on her doorstep for ages thinking this was a romantic oh. gesture. Oh. And then I eventually, after about two or three hours, gave up and left the bottle of wine and the dead flowers <laughs> on the doorstep. Which is more of a threat, really, isn't it? Yeah, some yeah, red yeah, wine yeah, and yeah. some dead flowers. Uh -huh. So that was probably okay. good. She, yeah. she carried on having sex with me. <laughs> so it was fine. Uh, I don't remember anything like stupid. I've, I've, I've Drunk, dialed people. Yeah. Please love me. You know all of that. Um, yeah. I've had sex. Yeah. Yeah. Before that's marriage. That's stupid. Uh, before marriage. Before marriage. I've got yeah. some bad mm, news yes, for you. Yes, yes, yes. I know. From the guy <laughs> on the mound. From the guy upstairs. Yeah. He yeah. said, yeah, I think mm. I think he was on behalf of God. <laughs> I think he was working on behalf of God, but. Uh, I don't think, I, mean, I haven't regretted it yet. I mean, I think he's saying in hell you're going to regret having premarital sex. Are but you, though? I think... You're probably think worried about other stuff when you're in hell. I mean, there'll be other stuff yes. that I've done. I've yeah. done. I had a lot of premarital sex, but I think mm -hmm. if I hadn't had sex before I got married, then the sex that I'd had after I'd been married, I would have regretted that in heaven yeah, yeah, for eternity. Yeah, as well. yeah. go, God, why yeah. didn't I practice a bit before mm -hmm. <laughs> and, go and have sex with someone who'd had sex with someone? I just the idea of two virgins... Having yeah. sex on their wedding night. Oh, that's horrible yeah. sex. That's not good. Yeah, that's yeah, awkward. Mm -hmm. That guy's a prick. That guy with that. If you see him, <laughs> give him a slap from me. Uh, we'll, do, we'll do a couple more. Uh, and uh, Okay, this is for a child, this question. Would you rather have a neck like a giraffe or a tongue like a lizard? Okay, a neck like a giraffe... Giraffes have uh, long necks. I don't know if you have those in Iceland. Oh, They're no, famously no, very have. long necks. Oh, neck. thank you, thank you. Oh, that's the, yeah, that's yeah. the long neck. Okay, yeah. thanks for that. Or a tongue like a lizard. Yeah. Um, a tongue like a lizard. The neck would just be, I mean, in your way. You couldn't <laughs> be walking uh, through doors. And that would just be... And I could do some good things with a lizard tongue. Yeah. I, right? <laughs> I think it's probably the sensible choice. But, you know, imagine yeah. all the... High up leaves you could eat. Yeah. 
because I mainly just eat that. leaves. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, that's why you would, uh, yeah, you'd be able to survive in, on the Serengeti. Um, uh, how often do you replace your pillows? Is my final question to you. Uh, should I be replacing them? You meant to replace your pillows twice a year. Twice a year, Every why? Every six months you meant to actually throw your pillows away. That's a shocking statistic, what? isn't it? I've got pillows that I've had since I was at home with my parents. Still in my me house. too, me too. I think <laughs> I've had mine now for 10 years. Why is okay. it just filled with bacteria? I think it's the bacteria. They lose their, you know, their consistency, don't they? Yeah, they're full of spit, mm. I guess. Spit? Uh, yeah. What are you doing in your sleep? Drooling. <laughs> Drooling. Yeah, okay. they're full of jism. Um, <laughs> I don't think I have that problem either. <laughs> <laughs> They're full of hair. There's probably yeah, a lot of okay. hair. There's some mites in there. Mm, mm -hmm. yeah. But it's obviously okay. Like I, I'm not still dead I'm, or sick or anything. So it's just good bacteria. Imagine how healthy you'd be if you'd had new oh, pillows yeah. every <laughs> <laughs> So I'm remind us again when your, when your show is on. Old Tollbooth Market at 8.30 p.m. Let it snow. Let it snow. Yes. Uh, so if you want to see Icelandic comedy mm -hmm. via London and Paris yes. and the world, yes. go and see that. Fantastic. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, it snow. Let it snow. Thank you very much. And uh, I always forget to say in my opening month, oh, you might have seen Scroobius Pip hanging around outside. He loves to come to my gigs and stalk me. Uh, he does a very good podcast if you... Uh, uh, and he's a fantastic musician also, and actor. Uh, he does the thing called the Pod Bible, which he's been giving out, so I hope you've got a uh, copy of that. That's a lot of fun. I think you can get that online as well. Uh, and also in here, if you come to see the show, you get a free program from me. Uh, what I do with that is, uh, at the end of the show, I make a collection for Scope, which is a charity I'm patron of, uh, which uh, is involved with trying to get equal rights and access for disabled people. If the people here feel those programs are worth something and would like to donate some money on the way out, People might be holding buckets, but I'll be sitting at a little table in the doorway. Like, a, I've, got, I've got a bag for life full of um, my books that I'm selling uh, for £10 each. I used to be on the telly. And um, <laughs> if you would like to donate some money to Scope, you can do so by, sitting, by uh, giving to, to the buckets there. Please do give some people a... Or you can uh, text now as well. There's a text number in those programmes. Uh, if you would like to buy 1,001 Emergency Questions, which we just heard some questions from, uh, or the original Emergency Questions book, they are both for sale. If you buy both books, you get a free sheet of stickers. I'm one of the cool kids. They're really good stickers. You can buy them without buying the books if you want. Uh, so please give us some money to scope, and I'm very happy to uh, sign your programmes or say hello or do a selfie uh, after the show as well. That's just for the people here. The people at home, uh, you are not allowed to do that. <laughs> that would be weird. Don't come and find where I live. So um, I've stood up. I'm going to sit down again. Um, <laughs> it was unnecessary. Uh, my second guest today is probably best known for being the warm-up man for Queen on to the 2014 New Year's Eve broadcast that they performed on. We'll find out if Freddie Mercury was still with the band at that stage. <laughs> I don't know very much about them. Uh, will you please welcome Mr. John Robbins? John Robbins. Welcome. You're looking very good. Hello. Come in. Hello. Hello, how are you doing? I'm okay, thank you. Good. Um, you, where, where are you from? You're not from anywhere exotic, are you? Like Iceland? From Bristol. Bristol. I've been to Iceland. Yeah. What, the supermarket? No. Do you admire me for not even doing that joke once in <laughs> that whole interview? That's I, how classy a community I am. But I had to get it out the minute she was out there. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to Iceland. I've got yeah. a rip in my jeans and my parents are divorced. So wow. we're the same. <laughs> are the same. Maybe you guys should get together. You say you're single at the moment, John? No, I'm engaged. I, I thought you were engaged. Yeah. yeah. I'd mean, like to check with you because, you know, it's on and off, isn't it, with you? <laughs> <laughs> Depends you if know. I need to earn a bit from a tour. <laughs> There'll um, be a show about being in love. There'll be a show um, about it going wrong. If you never get married, yeah. then sex isn't sex before marriage. It's just sex. Oh. So maybe it's only the people who eventually get married that go to hell. Loophole. <laughs> <laughs> Could you put that on a, on a sandwich board and follow the guy around? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> really good. Um, 
I know you like Queen. That's we know about that. So that must have been pretty. Ex- was that when it says New Year 2014? Was it the New Year from 2013 to 2014 or 2014? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. I think it was 2014 to 15. Right. Okay. They did a live um, broadcast from uh, Westminster City Hall, mm-hmm. and um, my agent asked if I would like to do. I think initially an hour and a half. <laughs> before they came on and I said that is you're you're kind of giving with one hand and taking with the other you're giving me my dream job but in the most horrific circumstances <laughs> and then they said we well, do 40 and I said that is it is too long you just need someone for 10 minutes to get the crowd going so they eventually split it between me and a, a, like a blues guitarist okay and I sort of played silly like queen warm-up games um but it was uh, yeah, it was pretty mad at the time yeah must have been, it must have been nice. I mean, Queen aren't that good, though, are they? So hmm. they're not really a very good... They're not, they're not that good a band, really, are they? Do you honestly think that? Um, I don't really like music. See, someone's left. There's someone's left. I don't really like m- many bands, but, you know, there's some nice tunes in there. There's yeah, some, see, well, I've already bop, won you round. You I didn't say along. anything. <laughs> I like Bohemian. I remember Bohemian Rhapsody when that came out. I, was, I remember that video the first time I saw it. It's good. It's sort of weirdly become our nation's song, Yeah. which I'm pleased about. Yeah. Sort of odd. It's an odd song it to is. be everyone's favourite song, and it yeah. is everyone's. It's your favourite song. Uh, I like the video. I like when all their heads were together in that, that little tight shot. Yeah, it's and good. And then it all went... And honestly, we'd, in the 1970s, we'd never seen anything like it, John. I mean, you can only watch it with the hindsight of a man born in 1983 and think, I wonder what it was like to see those special effects in 1975 or something, was it? Uh, 75, 6, yeah. yeah. Um, it's the only song It was fucking mind-blowing. It is. If there's any old people, wasn't it? You're it old, mate. Remember Bohemian Rhapsody the first time you saw it? <laughs> fucking blue. When it went, whoa! In diamond shapes. How did they do it? Um, <laughs> yeah, so I like that bit. And uh, I like it in Shaun of the Dead when they're beating up that guy, that guy with... <laughs> with then that's um, yeah. Don't Stop Me Now. Don't Stop Me Now, yeah. that's a good one. Yeah, they are quite good. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, they're all right. Thanks. It's weird, isn't it, when you're asked to be on before a band, but that, I mean, it's even a band that you... It's impossible, yeah. and it should never be attempted. It's a very... I mean, I, love, I wish you'd done an hour and a half oh of, no, of non-Queen-based comedy. <laughs> they, they were already, like, some people were sort of yelling quite abusively to get Queen on, but it's like... It's at midnight. I can't bring forward <laughs> 2015. I can't make time change. You know when they're coming on. But also, it was in Westminster, and that's all sort of part of the cordoned-off area for the um, for the uh, celebrations. And also, so everyone had to be in at 6 p.m. Right. And you're not. There's no drink served okay. in the hall. So you basically had people in a room for six hours waiting for Queen to come on stage. <laughs> it was like awful circumstances, but quite good fun. And did you get to chat with the guys after? I, I met them very briefly in the sort of the green room. Had a chat with Brian May about prawns. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, that was it. Was the chat about just did that came up or were there prawns being served? Because that is weird. If you went, Brian, can I just, I just want to talk to you? <laughs> and my one subject is prawns. What do you know about they, them they, starting they were, now? They were serving little sort of um, canapes and one of them was like little prawn curries. Okay. And I said, um, the food's quite good, isn't it, Brian? And he said, what is it? And I said, they're little prawn curries. And he goes, prawns? I don't like prawns. <laughs> and that was, that was my first ever words exchange <laughs> with Brian May. I've subsequently interviewed him yeah. uh, for Radio X. And I also interviewed Rami and some of the other actors from the film oh, for yes. um, Radio X, and that's on YouTube. And it was amazing because, it, like, there's when you're a stand-up, sort of lots of little clips some, somehow get online. So after 10 years or t- 20 years of doing it, you, you search for yourself on YouTube, and there's just such a weird mix of, like, interviews you did for, like, early Edinburgh PR that had 20 views <laughs> and sort of clips of stand-up you really wish weren't there. And then there's this interview I did with uh, the Queen cast. It's got like 150,000 views from like super Queen fans. And that, so that's like probably the only thing of any relevance of me that's on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> so this year's show, did you take a year out of Edinburgh last year? I wasn't yep. here last year either. Yeah, so you, two years ago, your astonishing scenes, you co-won the Comedy Awards. With Hannah Gadsby, what happened to her? Just disappeared, disappeared off the face of the earth. <laughs> disappeared, didn't it? You'd imagine if they would went back and said, "Let's redo that and just have a think about who was actually the best show." They'd go John Robbins, wouldn't they? Uh, you're veering very close to an awful lot of sleepless nights. 
she's, she's done absolutely fantastically. <laughs> she has done very well, yeah. But uh, that was it. Did it change things to get the, to win the award? Not really career-wise for me, um, but it sort of did emotionally for me, sort of the way I approached stand-up in this year and writing and, and stuff. So, but then, like, I felt I had a, personally had, like, a huge, like, weight off my mind. And then this year, I was, like, super zen and um, really enjoying the show and just looking forward to doing it without any sort of pressure I put on myself. And then within 24 hours, I'm on the phone to my agent going, where's my fucking posters? <laughs> my six posters. And they were, I'm meant to have seven, and none of them are anywhere near my venue. And you, so you can't really escape that sort it of thing. It is really hard to... Uh, overcome that in Edinburgh I think and the um, and I've so this year is the closest I've ever come to it by not doing a stand-up show and doing a show that I and having my family with me so I just literally leave Ed, and I'm far enough away out of town that I leave the fringe behind yeah and so it doesn't I, I'm not having any of those sort of panics or worries about that sort of thing this year weirdly but yeah it is it is it's so you know it's so many people you're walking down the mound and just all those posts of all those people who are all dreaming and hoping for the same thing. But then I don't know, I think if what you're hoping for is to write a new show and to create something, then you can't, you can't lose at that. And no. I think we've kind of got into a mindset where the only way you can <laughs> succeed is to win something or to get good reviews. Well, or that's to easy for you to say because you won something, didn't you? That's I it, know, that's fine but it's you. that awful thing where you sort of reach the right mindset and then things to go, start to go right, so it sounds like you're retrospectively applying a, a new sort of philosophy to yourself. But yeah. actually, it, you know, if you if your only goal is to be a creative person, then you can't. I don't. I, I honestly, firmly believe that you can't. You can't lose at creativity. No, well, you shouldn't, and that should be you know, absolutely. That should be how everyone's viewing it. But it's so hard. Oh, to impo escape. it's I mean, impossible, it's impossible to, have that. to escape. <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, and it is yeah. a shame, and it's a shame that there is a, 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 you know, it's a shame there are rewards and reviews and any opinions. It's a shame there's an audience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just all happening in a box. Yeah. And if it all just happened in a whale's vagina <laughs> and no one <laughs> saw it. Wow. A dead whale's <laughs> vagina. If you weren't listening to the first interview, John, that's going to seem weird. Uh, so, <laughs> um, well, good. So, I mean, you, I mean, I, I have this sort of avuncular thing to, to over quite a few comedians of your generation, and to you as well. I was worried about you two years ago. Like your, Were you? Yeah, because, well, because it's the mixture of your... The show was about your personal life going wrong, and you obviously were deeply affected by that personally, but also your star was on the ascendant, and it's difficult to cope with, uh, with fame and with... Well, luckily, success. that didn't come. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm sort of really glad it didn't in a way because I never I sort of think when you start out or even before I did comedy you think oh, I really want to be famous but the more you see of fame the more you think I absolutely don't want I've got the perfect sort of balance now where I can do the shows I want to do to people who want to see them I do radio and podcasts with Ellis which I love and I don't have to sort of, I can still live my life. I can still sure. sort of go to a pub on my own. Yeah. And um, I would never want anything more than that, really. I think I'm, so that's sort of, by accident, I've kind of got the career that I think a lot of people would like. Yeah. Where you're sort of in control of what you do and you're not necessarily having to do what other people want you to do. Yes. I mean, that again, it's sensible and mature, all the things you're saying are correct. <laughs> uh, they are, and most people don't realise that, it, you know, the actual being in control, I think, as a comedian and having that uh, autonomy is much more important than anything else. And a lot of times, success takes you to a place that you wouldn't really recognise that that was what you wanted, you know. I think especially now, to get onto TV and stuff, you, you get on TV and you're presenting a late night, you know, Saturday night game show or something, which probably wouldn't be why a lot of comedians got into doing comedy. Well, I did that. Are you yeah. referring to my um, I'm not really. I know you did do one. Internet-based digital quiz show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm not referring to it. But that's the, only, that's, the, that's the only avenue that's open to you is panel shows and, and game shows, really, isn't it? I mean, I just... The only way when I'm only on TV when I'm losing at pointless. That is... Uh, that is <laughs> and I'm very happy with that. Well, I do like little bits here and there, but it's so rare that a format actually brings out the best in comics. Yeah. 
I think Taskmaster is a great example. I think Hypothetical, the show that Josh and yeah, Acosta did. Yeah, I don't know where they got that idea from. <laughs> where did they, Where do you think they got I that idea got, from? I think they copied off me. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> they um, got off this, mate. Look, what's that? What's that? Well, that's not. Shut up! It's the same. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, whereas other things, you're just kind of beholden to the edit, and so I've done stuff where they're like, um, "Oh, uh, we'd like you to talk about this," and you go, "Great," and then you give them what you want to talk about. And they go, "No, actually, we want you to talk about this." And you go back and forth in emails and you think, just fucking tell me what you want me to say and I'll fucking say it because you clearly have no interest in any of my input, so I don't care. Yeah. Just write me a script and I'll just say it because it's irrelevant. Yeah. And they sort of have the idea of what they want and it's just getting to as close to that point as they can. Whereas I think the best shows like Taskmaster and, and Hypothetical just go, we're not quite sure what's going to happen today, but we trust that these people who are comedians and they do that for a living yeah. we trust that in the course of an hour and a half of recording they might say something funny <laughs> and we'll put all those funny bits together and you know what it turns out to be great yeah um, no it's true you're very you know he's very wise and he's very young he's a wise head on actually not that young not shows. that young no. he looks younger than he is everyone does though to me <laughs> i'm so old john um, I was on Wikipedia. I don't know if this is something from one of your radio shows. I've been listening to your five live show and I've and enjoyed it very much. Uh, but um, uh, I'm, I'm assuming this isn't true, but there's two sections on your Wikipedia page in which it gives uh, nicknames that you had at university. I think I... I that's, and uh, that's nicknames sort of, um, that you currently have. That's not uh, true. I, th I, I don't want it to be amazing. I think I know who it is that's These would be amazing if they're true. When you're it's essentially, it's, it's, it's the internet's version of graffiti. It is. And if you wrote that on my house, you'd be arrested. <laughs> Here are your university nicknames according to Wikipedia. The Admiral's Cloakroom. <laughs> <laughs> the Admiral's Cloakroom. Yeah. Fantastic. Fancy Brian. <laughs> Arrangements. <laughs> Wainwright's Excuse Me. A cautionary tale for hedonistic ladies. Ooh. And Rubric. Rubric. Yeah. Uh, but your current names. <laughs> there's two. It's, it's about a third of your Wikipedia entry is taken up with, with quite How massive do they nicknames. Stay up? I don't. Well, presumably, someone believes this is true. Uh, current nicknames: Bristol Bob, <laughs> the Terminator, which I quite like. Uh, IKEA Moon. Oh, that's quite yeah, sweet. Yeah, quite nice. Uh, and Barry. <laughs> I think it's Barry. It could, it could be. Uh, the, I think Gibbon, Gibbon Arms. It might be Barry Gibbon Arms or Barry and Gibbon oh, Arms. Oh, I see. Because Barry Gibb. Yeah, that's why I thought. I thought it was together. But I'm I've, got sure quite, I've got quite long arms. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's it. Yeah, Gib old Gibbon Arms. There. That's the name of this uh, episode. Uh, and the Vegan Flymo. <laughs> but I just wanted to, f to confirm those are not true. No, they're not those true. Are not, those are not true. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, you say you were telling me in the dressing room you've got a podcast coming out as well as uh, with with Ellis as well. Is it about? To, yeah, we're recording it at the minute, and it's um, a podcast about how people cope. Um, so we're sort of recording episodes, and that's going to be released, I think, around October, November, and yeah. it may actually be broadcast on Five Live if they are of good enough quality. Oh, okay. Um, but they haven't. That's You'll not be all right. They do some right shit on Five Live. <laughs> I listen to it on the way home. It's they could put it out at tw like 11, 12 o'clock at night because there's rubbish on it. It's maybe. great. All of their output is fantastic. <laughs> I really, it's enjoyable rubbish, but it's rubbish. It's not rubbish. It's great. <laughs> they, 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 they have, you have to balance different topics. You do. <laughs> From the heavy to the light to sport. Yes. And that's, that's quite a skill. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we've recorded a couple of episodes. We recorded one with... Um, uh, I don't know, can I say this? Not that anyone cares, but I think I can. Recorded one with um, uh, David Cottrell, the footballer who had um, uh, problems with depression and alcoholism, and Tom Bradby, uh, the ITV presenter who has issues with anxiety and uh, insomnia. And we've got quite a few more lined up. There's some we're recording in Edinburgh and some when we get back to London, and hopefully we'll just sort of keep going. Yeah, well, it's because like, you, you and Ellis are very funny together, and you, it's, a, you, it's a, a lovely knockabout fun time you have on the radio, but what's nice with your book, which I believe has just come out in paperback today. Today, out in paperback, The Holy Bible. The Holy Bible, um, is 
you know that you 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 role models for young men. I think in in a in a way that there 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 isn't like a, a you know the young men have to look up to sportsmen and and pop stars and the, the behaviour's not great. And yet I think there's this sort of modern view with you and Ellis where you're you're regular guys, but you're happy to be. Uh, show your emotions and and be sensitive and and be honest. I think about what it yeah. is to be a, a man. And that's just what our relationship is like. But I'm very lucky, and that's what my relationship is like with a lot of my male friends. You know, I tend to, I've got quite a small group of very close friends, and we're very, you know, open together with each other about you know times when you just hate yourself and times when you just messed up and remorse and regret and overthinking and anxiety and unhelpful thoughts and yeah. and sex and relationships and parents and everything and then so to be able to actually talk like that on in public is really great and I think it's important for men to hear other men talking in those in that way mm -hmm. because men who don't have outlets to talk in that way frequently kill themselves yeah. and it's such an appalling uh, sort of crisis we have in this country that is not really being dealt with and the solution is often so incredibly simple and free you know talking doesn't cost anything yeah. and I think we need um, uh, a mental health emergency service I actually think especially targeting uh, men um, to provide support that is relatively cheap um, so that people have uh, outlets for you know, their own dangerous thoughts, yeah. I would yeah. say. Um, but not everyone has dangerous thoughts. <laughs> you know, some people are pretty chipper about the world and, and um, that's fantastic. But it was in sort of entirely accidental because that's just how we talk to each other. Yeah. And it would be very odd for me to sort of spend three hours a week not talking to Ellis like I talk to him and vice versa. Yeah. Um, but I, I think radio, in a way, is a much more personal relationship you have with radio or podcasts, yeah. with audio. Um, but it seems rarer in the radio world for sort of people to talk like that outside of sort of very heavy segments about mental health or depression where everyone all goes, right, we're all, we're actually, we need to change the tone now, so can you stop enjoying yourselves because you have to listen to this because it's very important, very worthy, and we're actually talking to someone who's got depression. When did you first have depression? Well, <laughs> and you think, it doesn't need to be like that. You know, that's good, but how about, how about, you know, I, um, for example, uh, today I left a cup out of the dishwasher, I put a load on the dishwasher on, and I turned around and saw an extra cup and I just hated myself, <laughs> and I couldn't let it go because yeah. I couldn't turn the dishwasher, it had already started. Um, or um, today, I got my hair cut, and every time I get my hair cut, uh, they say, uh, do you want, how much do you want off? And I say, not too much on top, and they go, this much, and I think, that would be perfect, but hang on, I could save a bit more money by having it shorter, and then it'd be longer until I go to my next haircut. And so they cut it too short, and I come out, and I hate it, and I hate myself. And I'm like, why did you tell her to cut it shorter than you wanted it to save yourself, what, maybe in the scheme of it, £2.50 over the course of a year of just extending the gaps between your haircuts, because for two weeks you just hate the way you look? Fucking idiot. And... That's what, you know, that is the lighter end of mental health. Yes. But that is what it is like on a daily basis <laughs> to just fucking hate yourself. So. Yeah. No, but it's, 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 and I think it is, it's that talking about it. It's, and I think you, in your, your stand-up you do as well. And I think especially when you talk about what an idiot one is as a teenager. And it, I think that is because you don't get any help. You know, when, 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 I, when I was a teenager, you didn't get any help with... You were just told by like a bloke with a sign, you're not allowed to have sex before you get married, and or you'll go to hell, and that was it. And you had to cope with all the things you were feeling, and all the and and no one was telling you that women and girls also wanted to have sex. So you, they were telling you you had to basically trick or convince women to have sex with you, rather than everyone wants to have sex with each other. That's natural, and so like, it's it's amazing how screwed up people are over just. Things like you're talking about, and things you know, and bigger things as well, um, and just like talking about those things will massively help. I just can't. Yeah, someone so just told me about the girls 
that girls just be nice to girls and they'll want to hang around with you and then you'll see what happens. If someone had told me that when I was 15, I wasn't around, hanging around any girls, so it was fine. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's sort of so simple, really. Yeah, and even saying I'm, you know, I'm confused or I'm scared or I just feel like a dick all the time. And I did sort of have some of those outlets with friends when I was a teenager, which I'll be you know, forever grateful for. And also my mum is a, a counsellor, so I've sort of grown up with that language of you know, seeing life feelingly, to quote King Lear, <laughs> deal with it. Um, <laughs> it's actually see feeling, oh, I can't remember, I fucked it up, I got the wrong quote, I'm gonna kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's how the sort of prism through which I've always seen the world. But the, you know, and it's a you know, that can sometimes make life harder and sometimes make it much richer. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting, so, and also uh, we're going to be slightly serious today, by the looks of it. But um, uh, you've just recently done a, a documentary about gambling. Te- teenage, you're a teenage gambler on fruit machines, which I was. I was. I was sort of obsessed with fruit machines to the point that I remember. When I first came up to Edinburgh, I think the first year I was in Edinburgh, maybe the second year I was in Edinburgh, I'd, I'd like in, uh, my granddad had given me £1,000 to come to Edinburgh with, and I spent it all on fruit machines. Yeah, I did. Um, um, was left some money by my uncle when he died when I was a kid. And uh, when I had access to that, that sort of, and it coincided with not being particularly happy as a teenager. Yeah. And, um, and then that bled into university as well. Um, and I got asked to do this thing called Beat the Bookies, which just sounds so grim as a BBC Three documentary. And I said, I don't really want to be involved in a, you know, can you make money from... But it turned out it wasn't actually like that. Yeah. And I sort of spoke to the producers and they just wanted to have an interview with me, so I agreed to do it. And I'd completely forgotten about it. And I was like, oh, it's probably not coming out. And then suddenly there was a story about me saying I'd, I'd have killed myself online if I was still gambling. And I had to text my mum. I just go, heads up. Um, <laughs> your, your friends may have seen on the internet, because she's not really online, um, that uh, there's quite a few stories about me self-harming and saying I'd have killed myself if I hadn't stopped gambling. Just so you know, when they uh, bring the clippings yeah. along to, the, to yoga. <laughs> um, but I, I watched it back, and uh, you know, it's, all, it's weird. It's those interviews you do, like an hour interview, where you feel you've totally solved all of the issues around problem gambling and gambling companies in the industry. And inevitably, that maybe gets 90 seconds cut down to. But they, I thought they were, you know, they, they, they were sort of kind in the edit, and they kept yeah. in some, some important stuff. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, it's interesting that... I, I think I was... Because you, you, same as you, I think, like, you're going to pubs underage, and there was fruit machines in the pubs. And it was a, a good way to, like... If you, were, if, you were not, if you were on your own or if you were not talking to anyone, it was a good way to pass the time and be doing something and have a bit of excitement. And then I think the problem, we'd, we'd done the... We were touring that year with the, 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 the student show I was in and we'd played some clubs or, where they had those real high jackpot machines, yeah. like £100 rather than £10 mm. it was at the time. I know they're, they're everywhere now, those ones. And so we'd won like £50 on one and then that really made me go, wow... But then I, you know, I was—I remember it was all. I saw one of them burnt when the guild, when the um, the original uh, gilded balloon burnt down. It took it took out the the fruit machine place I used to go really? to. Really? <laughs> yes, I was quite pleased because it was all—it's like, all on different levels. It was above it, I think. But yeah, I, I just went in there and just you know, in, in Edinburgh again, it's that thing in Edinburgh where you're so the emotions are so high and you're so worried about the ways everything going. And I was so. Nervous about being around anyone, that would just go in there and disappear in there for all day playing fruit machines. It's terrible, mm. a terrible thing to do. But it, but you're sort of worried. You worry that the internet is is there for kids now. You know, is that, is yeah, that? and I just think um, you know the, the gambling industry can only exist through addicts. And there's a very simple equation, a very simple example which I gave on the documentary, which they couldn't use in the end. So on a fruit machine. <laughs> It says under where you put your coin, it says this machine pays out 80%, between 74 and 80%, 82% maybe. So that's basically saying for every quid you, you put in, you'll get 80p back. Now, if that were true, I mean, that is true overall. We'll talk about the average in a second. If that's true, no gambling company, no company on earth can exist on a 20% profit margin. It's not enough. It doesn't pay for the machine, the guy to install the machine, the design of the machine, the tax, you know, all these things. So what it relies in 
is you putting a pound in, getting 80p back, putting 80p in, getting 64p back, putting 64p in, getting 50p back, and, and so on and so on and so on, so it's gone. So the, the business model depends on people who keep doing it until they lose all their money. And what annoyed me so much about the Ladbrokes advert that was sort of mentioned in that was it was saying if the Ladbrokes lifestyle is actually selling a lifestyle, a gambling lifestyle, as if it was something to, you know, um, aspire to, is like if you're a group of normal lads and you like going and watching uh, football and going to the pub and doing a pub quiz and hanging out with your mates, then go to Ladbrokes because that's what normal life is. But what annoyed me is Ladbrokes don't want those people. <laughs> the nightmare for a bookies is someone comes in once a week and puts a pound on an accumulator every week because one week they will win £10,000 and the next week they'll come in and put another pound on the accumulator. <laughs> they don't want that person. Yeah. They don't want the old lady who bets on a favourite every Grand National. They want someone who's going to mortgage their house, lose their wife and kill themselves. That's what they want because that's the only way they can make any money. And it's so ridiculous that every f football team is sponsored by gambling companies because they are reaching the people who can least afford it. And recently, it's only just in the last two days, it's come out that Bet32 have basically paid for Wayne Rooney's transfer to Derby because they're sponsored by Bet32. He's going to wear the number 32. Right. It's just ridiculous. And the company does a little statement, says we take a very responsible approach to you know, our gambling operations. And you think, well, you don't. And also, no one really cares because no one's stopping it. And with so much legislation about this sort of thing, like minimum alcohol pricing. I'd sort of, I, I wrote an article about how cheap alcohol was A, killing pubs and also killing people. And I got this direct message on Twitter from the person who wo worked for the booze company that sell this like 9% cider that you can get for 10p. Yeah. And they kept saying, we are absolutely committed to ending problem drinking. And I kept saying, how? Oh, well, we maintain that we are committed to being responsible. Okay, how? Give me an example. Do you fund any, do you use any of your profits to help alcoholic uh, charities? Do you put any money towards research? Do you do anything? It's just, we are, and what it means is they put please gamble, uh, please drink responsibly in tiny little letters on a five litre bottle of 9% cider <laughs> that costs a pound. Uh, and, uh, you know, money will always out. Yeah. God. Wow. <laughs> Let's, let's uh, make them stop. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, it's very interesting stuff. It's, it, is, it is great to be uh, talking about that. There was a thing when I think I was, I, I still gamble. I play poker online quite a lot and just always lose eventually. So, but, it, but I kind of figure out it works. There was a point where I was spending way too much money on playing poker online. I'm not, I'm not I, don't, I don't for a second think it's impossible to for someone to have a healthy relationship with gambling, yeah, to gamble for fun, to gamble yeah. infrequently, for it to enrich their lives. It doesn't enrich your life, it's horrible. But, but, yeah. but my point is that gambling companies don't care about those people. No, no. They want you to think they do, which is slightly different in that, you know, a pub will survive if, if someone goes in and has one pint. They don't make any more money if you're addicted to alcohol, no. if you see what I mean. Yeah. Um, so if you, if, if you got rid of problem drinking, it wouldn't cause an end to the alcohol industry. It would certainly affect their profits, but it wouldn't end it because, yeah. whereas the actual business model of gambling companies relies on people to spend all their money yeah. to keep putting it back well, in. Well, the thing with Labrooks, I was writing, for, I know you write for the Metro, and I was writing for the Metro at the point, and I nearly wrote for it because I, I was come, sometimes going to the casinos online. And there was, I'd put like 50 quid in or something, and then a thing comes saying, oh, you know, we'll give you double your money if you do. And, and so you just click it, and you've so got 100 pounds. You think, oh, great. And then you read the small print. It says you have, to, you have to play through this money eight times before you can take anything out. And so you're playing games at 50-50. You can't, you're not, no one's going to get anything out. <laughs> I'd won some money and was going to bank it, and I couldn't bank it. And so I kind of had this long email exchange with Labrooks at the time. And they, were, and they kind of batted me off. And, but then actually they would got hauled up for doing that exact thing because you know, the, the, the statistics don't work. If you make someone play the money through eight times, then they are going to lose all the money. Yeah. So you look like you're giving someone something that you're actually saying, no, you, you're, we're, you're, we're taking that 50 quid off you. For, they shouldn't be able to advertise. Uh, they shouldn't be able to... They should be maximum bets on everything. Uh, if they actually were just interested in people gambling responsibly and with mates, they'd say, okay, you can't put more than 20 quid on anything. Yeah. But they'll never do that. You shouldn't be able to give free bets away. You shouldn't have any special offers. Ugh. <laughs> but, um, come on, let's have a bit of fun. Come, uh, and, so come, <laughs> and, 
Come and see my comedy show. <laughs> Lighten up, mate. It's called Hot Shame. <laughs> and I scream at myself. It's, you know, it's good. It's, 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 it's a little bit of fun. It's just a bit of fun. If you like fun, for some of the family, uh, <laughs> it's just a bit of fun. Let's ask you an emergency question to, to lighten the mood. What is the worst thing you've ever done? No, uh, what's <laughs> the worst crime you've ever committed? Uh, which five celebrities are on your celebrity shag list? Do you have a celebrity shag list of celebrities you're allowed to have sex with? Uh, but your fiancé won't mind you having sex with because they're on the list if the, the opportunity arose? Um, and if not, what would they be if your fiancé let you do that? She wouldn't let me sleep with any celebrities, nor would I want to. Oh. But, um, uh, well, there's a couple of one, the, oh, God. What's the, what's, the, what's the next question there? I can ask you another question. Uh, mine change all the time. My wife doesn't. She want, my wife's still Sawyer from Lost. That's, how, that's who she wants to have sex with. Which is just exactly the same as me. What a waste of, what a waste of a wish. Uh, Here's an emergency question for you. Have you ever suckled on the dugs of a barren old woman? <laughs> <laughs> um, not since early childhood. <laughs> well, hopefully, were, they, were, were they barren? Oh, or, I don't know uh, what that really means in that well, context. Well, dugs of breast and barren is like an old woman whose oh, like, breasts are um, no longer giving out milk. Um, like so in the wasteland. <laughs> oh, was it old woman with wrinkled dugs? Yeah, probably. No, only no. I've only suckled on, on barren dugs through the form of poetry. Okay. We'll find a good one in a second, then it'll all be all right. It's been really good. It's lovely to talk to you, John. You're a very intelligent young man. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, what? I don't understand that question. I haven't got my glasses on. I used to do impressions of you when I was at school. Didn't you? <laughs> you can't even drive! <laughs> I used to do that in school. Can you believe that? Someone bloody was. You can't even drive. Red is the colour of the apple so fine. Orange in the sunset is the evening time. Get ready to go. Green is the frog all covered in slime. I used to know that song. I still do know that song. Fuck me. How's that been in my head for 25 years? The question is that I can't make sense of, and I still can't make sense of, is have you ever had a crumpled ball? No, but Tom... Crane had a twisted testicle, and it is, it is much more of an emergency than it sounds, because right. you can die. Right. And also, it's, it's like being kicked in the balls, but the feeling never ends. And, and I mean, I'm telling someone else's yeah. story here, but I, the, the image that stuck with me was his parents driving him to A&E as he threw up out the side of the car window, because it was so painful. Can you imagine that? Ooh. What I loved about the um, driving instructor sketch yeah. is such a lovely detail that his life was full of fivers. That, <laughs> that any driving instructor would just have access to huge amounts of fivers. It was just based on my driving instructor who just wouldn't let me take the test, just kept on giving me lessons. I had about 100 lessons. And when I did the test, I passed so easily. Yeah. I was so good at driving. So yeah, I think you're about ready to take a test now. Yeah, I am. I was ready four months ago. <laughs> but thank you for the comedy character that, had it been a success, would have made my money back. <laughs> okay, right to the end uh, of the book, the emergency questions book available in the foyer after the show. Please give money to Scope after the show. Um, did you know that Jules Holland's Hootenanny is pre-recorded? <laughs> yeah, because I think I know does the warm-up. Ah. It's Kevin McCarthy. Oh, is it? Because I, every time I meet anyone who might have the slightest connection to Van Morrison, I will always ask them if they have any Van Morrison stories. Yeah. The best person for Van Morrison stories is your friend of mine, Ardlo Hamlin. He's got a couple of absolute hammers. Okay. Um, but uh, I think, yeah, Kevin McCarthy, I think, was doing a bit of warm-up when Van Morrison was on okay. and was given a short shrift. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, dear. Um, what do you think Jules Holland does on the real New Year's Eve? <laughs> <laughs> he can't go out, lest his deception is discovered. <laughs> oh, wow. He probably uh, like catches up on all his box sets, <laughs> I would imagine. I once, and this is a story I'm sure I've told before, um, was, up, was in the audience of the Hootenanny, and then on actual New Year's Eve, was in my house alone watching the Hootenanny, oh watching myself have a good time on TV <laughs> in a false 
Truman Show Star Wars. I'd been out and I got home before midnight, but I but I was depressed. Yeah, I'd had a nasty night and came back and then watched myself pretending to have a good time on Hoot Nanny mm. in some false showbiz. There should be a film. It is like the Truman Show. There's a film. It's more like, isn't it? I don't know, but yeah. What a world! Right, look. Oh, shoes. Oh, shoes. <laughs> We're going to have to go. Uh, tell us about your show and where it's on. It's called uh, Hot Shame. It's on at the uh, Pleasance Courtyard at 7:30 p.m. and then it tours f- from the start of September. And do come and see it live here or on tour because if I film uh, it, it will be as the last show was turned down by every single broadcaster on earth. Um, so please do come and see it live. Do go and see John, it's fantastic and had great reviews already with this show, so do go and see John Robbins, ladies and gentlemen. Thank, Thank you very much. much, love you. I'll be out in the doorway like a homeless man with my bag. See you in a sec. You have been listening to Rahalastapa at the Edinburgh Fringe with me, Richard Herring. Thank you to Pest for providing the music. Thank you to everyone at the Newtown Theatre and The Stand and everyone at gofasterstripe.com. The producer is James Hingley. This is a Sky Potato Fuzz and gofasterstripe.com production. Go to rahalastapa.co.uk to find out more. richardherring.com slash gigs to find out who my guests are for the rest of the run.